Hello, my wonderful quiet rebels. I'm so excited to be here with you today because today's episode is absolute fire and I can't wait for you to hear it. But before we do jump in, I do have a pop-up announcement for you. One that I didn't expect to share, but lo and behold, here we are. (laughs) So behind the scenes in my business, things have taken quite a big shift and one that I'm actually really, really excited about. And it's also one that was completely unexpected as well. And it's the fact that I'm actually going to be offering a small handful of spaces to work with me in a one-on-one capacity for sustainable visibility work. And unlike my six-month mentorship program of the Sustainable Visibility Incubator, this one-on-one arrangement is really designed to take the core elements of that program and actually shift it into a one-on-one format, which you can actually go through in either a four-week sprint or an eight week fortnightly pace. So that way you actually do get to do things like centralizing your business around your sense of safety, developing a safeguarding plan so you can break free from the show up big then hide cycle, (laughs) to design a multi-layered visibility plan so you show up in various multitude of ways depending on how your capacity is, uncovering your signature leadership topics and so much more. This is something that I work with my clients on inside of the incubator space in the group format. But I do want to acknowledge the fact that not everybody thrives well in group settings. Maybe they prefer private growth before they show up in the way that they want to. And that is exactly what this coaching arrangement is for. So I've decided to call it Safely Seen. And I absolutely love this name because... It is about you being seen in a way that feels safe for you, because when you feel safe, that is when you can thrive. That is when you show up in your best light. It is when you have the most capacity to serve your community and your clients at the same time. And I'm literally just running with my creative urge right now because this is not even available to learn about more on my website. It's only for those who are on my email list. Maybe you've seen a fleeting story on my Instagram Um, and now here on my podcast. So this message is only really going out for those who are already connected with me in some shape or form. So before I pop it onto the website, I want to let you know first. So I do want to give a nutshell of everything that is included because I think clear is kind, quote unquote, Brené Brown. So if you are interested in doing this four week sprint, or you can do it as an eight week fortnightly pace, there are going to be four private 75 minute focus sessions that cover the themes of sustainable visibility. You will get Voxer access with me after your kickoff call in between sessions. That way, if you have things that you want to process or questions you want answered, that is available for you there. You will also have instant access to my visibility vaults of on-demand trainings. And that's to really meet you where you're at because visibility is a spectrum. It is not an either or kind of thing. And so that vault is there for you to experiment and explore something that could work for you. And two more exciting things. Number one, I actually have an upcoming private podcast that is only going to be available for those inside of my sustainable visibility incubators and previous members and alumni and only private clients for Safely Seen as well. So that private podcast is going to be called Make A's Musings and that's where I'm going to be sharing some anonymous gems of wisdom that I've had from client conversations but I really of course want to protect the original context but I want to pull the wisdom from it and actually share it with you in a bite-sized episode. Sometimes 
they're also going to be my private thoughts around navigating leadership in real time as well. And the reason why this is a private podcast is because there are some very intimate things I only want to share with a set few people. Therefore, I'm going to keep it private. Okay, so you'll have access to that and that's coming to you live in mid-September only for my private clients and my SVI people. And for the first five founding members of this offer of Safely Seen, you'll also receive a $2,500 credit towards the next time I run the Sustainable Visibility Incubator. That's my six-month group mentorship program. And hopefully that will give you some clue for the investment for this as well. So if you are someone who wants to be safely seen and you want to work with me in a one-on-one capacity in this shorter, more intensive yet intimate range with, with me, I'm going to be offering it for the first five people for $2,500 USD. Yes, there are payment plans available and there's no interest charged on those payment plans as well. I've already had one spot taken up as of today, and so I have four spaces left for the rest of 2022. There are flexible start dates, so long as we wrap up by the end of 2022, then I'm happy to hear from you. So if you would like to learn more and have a conversation with me to see if this is right for you, send me a DM on Instagram. I'll pop my handle in the show notes below at makeasang, or you can send me an email, hi at makeasang.com, and just let me know. So you need to write the word founder in the DM or the email. And then we can go from there. Okay. So thank you so much for this pop-up announcement to allow me to have some space before we go into the episode. But I am so excited to work with you to become safely seen if that is on your horizon this year. Thank you so much. And now let's get back into the episode. You're listening to the Quiet Rebels podcast, the place to be to explore what it means to run an online business when you don't always align with the status quo. I'm your host, Meike Sang the Sustainable Visibility Mentor, Certified Trauma-Sensitive Leadership Coach, and Podcast Guesting Strategy Trainer. And I'm here to remind you that contrary to what we're taught to believe, you don't always have to be the loudest person in the room in order to be heard. Because if anything, we stand out and make an even deeper difference when we stand up for what we believe in and share who we're supporting along the way. So if you'd like to join me and my guests as we venture into these pretty nuanced conversations where we choose to find the meaning in the messy middles of our entrepreneurial journey, then let me welcome you into the quiet rebellion. Let's get started. Hello, my wonderful quiet rebels. I am back with one of my favorite humans, and we're going to be talking all about boundaries and specifically how they shift when we go from one-on-one into a group so if you are a one-on-one service provider and you're thinking of creating a group offer whether it's a group coaching program or you're holding space for just basically more than one person how those boundaries need to really adapt along with that because there are some transferable threads to from the one-on-one to the group but not all of them are applicable so we're going to get super deep into this today and I'm super excited so welcome welcome Suzanne Colbert. Thank you, May Kay. I'm excited to be here. Okay, so we've had these conversations before and I'm like, oh my gosh, okay, so there's so much to get to. But before, let me just like dial my excitement back just for a moment and ask you, uh, for those of you who have yet to just like tongue-tied myself. <laughs> One second. <laughs> okay, for those who have yet to stumble across your work, 
let us know a bit more about your journey. Like, what, why is this so important to you? This this conversation here about boundaries in particular. Oh, such a good question. So, I've been in business for five years now. I originally started as a weight loss coach, uh, of all things, and that's a whole long other story. And originally, I coached one to one, as most of us do, and I got booked out, um, which is an awesome thing to happen. And then I was like, well, actually, I wasn't like my coach at the time was like, it's time for a group. And I identify as a highly sensitive person and an introvert. And I was like, I don't think I've got what it takes to facilitate a group. Um, So there was a bit of back and forth and we decided that I would trial it for three months. And now I'm going into my fourth year. So (laughs) Mm. it turned out to go really, really well. But in the beginning, as you were saying, and I loved how you said on the intro, there's some transferable skills and some not. I, I didn't hold boundaries with my clients and I have to take my full responsibility for this. Like I'm not going to get into client blaming like this was me and the lessons that I learned, but I kind of felt that group was a, a cheaper way to work with somebody. Like, you know, not a whole different mm-hmm. value proposition, <laughs> but like if I can't afford to work with them one-on-one, oh, they're doing a group now. And so what happened is a lot of my one-to-one clients downgraded from one-to-one to group. I hadn't anticipated that happening. Mm. And, and then I had, so it was a different value proposition and I didn't hold the boundary there, but I still kept serving them in the same way, like voice right. message or messenger coaching, email, all that kind of thing. So I actually did myself a disservice and, and hamstrung my business uh, inadvertently, I'm very fortunate that I have a partner who um, could take care of us financially. So, you know, it wasn't as bad as it you know, could have been. But um, yeah, and the thing at the time, which, you know, nearly cost me my business has actually been the gift now because I've restructured my business entirely. And now I am a boundaries coach and I help people set boundaries in a way that feels good and not only set them, but uphold them because it's easy to go, I'm going to say all this. And then when it's in the moment of having that uncomfortable conversation, uh, running and hiding. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Raising my hand, I've definitely had that moment before. And before we move on, I feel like there's something I really want to ask you that you said in one of like the first sentences, when I asked you the question, you know, how you got into this work, you said how you identify as a highly sensitive and introverted person. And therefore, you felt like you couldn't facilitate a group for anyone else, like, because I'm also a highly sensitive person and an introvert, right? And I also hold a group project project. But, you know, personally, I have a very small number um, in my groups for a reason. But for anyone else who's listening right now, who may actually feel that as well? um, What was it originally that made you feel that way? And how have you managed to do this now at scale? Oh, that's an excellent question. So what made me feel that way is from my experience, a lot of the containers and the groups that I had participated in had been led by extroverted people. They were, um, and even like going to conferences or attending events, um, it's funny, people kind of didn't understand my introverted nature. Like if I said on an application or if I said that I'm introverted, I get the response of, oh, don't worry, we'll introduce you to a friend. <laughs> <It's> <laughs> like, I'm not saying that I can't make friends. I'm not antisocial. 
I just, I need a lot of time to recharge. I need space. And being in a container where it's the often the loudest voice in the room that gets heard, and I love how that's part of your messaging with Quiet Rebels, you don't have to be the loudest voice, but mm. also in group coaching containers that are often have like raise your hand to get coached, it can be like that race to the chat box kind of energy. Oh, yeah. Which kind of makes me die inside. Mm. <laughs> So I just felt like I hadn't seen anybody like me facilitate a group and I was worried in the beginning that I might be railroaded isn't the right term, but like, you know, kind of, you know, the the biggest energy is holding the container and I don't want to be, you know, the person who's holding the container but is also like talked, I can't, I'm not probably describing it very well, but I was just, I was hesitant of that. And I like how you said you run containers, but you keep them small. I've wanted to scale and that's still Mm -hmm. my goal. I want to grow my program. Well, I am growing my program to a hundred people in a round. I currently have 22 in this one. So it's, you know, slowly increasing. Thank you. (laughs) But it's kind of the skill to be really clear on how the group works and how it's run is something that I didn't have in the beginning and it's still, it gets to evolve every round. So I think for anybody who's like, I can't, might feel similar to what I did, a thought that helps me is my best gets to get better. So every round of why wait, I give it my best, but then my best gets to get better. So it you know, continues to grow and evolve and just really being clear and honest about, you know, how you run things um, and you know, the space that you may need and the capacity that you have is a gift for people in the group. Um, so, yeah, now I think, you know, we've got it going on. Highly sensitive people, we know how to do this. Um, whereas before, yeah, I was very, very nervous. Mm. Well, thank you so much for sharing that, the journey of discovery of like, oh, actually, I can do this and I can do it freaking well as well, which <laughs> is wonderful. So for you, you've managed to, um, like you've opened up the the potential for you to have up to 100 people in your container like for me I'm like whoa 100 people like that that's a lot but you know even though we are both highly sensitive people we operate in different ways and something else I'd like to add to that as well something that helps me personally with running the sustainable visibility incubator is the fact that I invite people to kind of co-hold the space it's like yes I'm the Mm -hmm. one who guides it and facilitates it however we like I invite everyone to look out for each other instead of um there was there's one person who um was in the incubator and said to me I feel like I'm held here instead of holding myself amongst other people who are holding themselves so there's something very isolating about that imagery there like think of someone who's like crossing their arms like literally just holding onto their own arms but they're in the group but they're not connected and so it felt like such an honor when they said that to me like but I feel held here and I feel imagine like everybody in the circle with their closed arms but then that shifts when they open their arms and everyone's holding each other. It's a beautiful, beautiful image that comes to mind. And to me, that has been quite the antidote um, to that overwhelm that came, like that washed over me when I thought, can I hold a group? I mean, introvert, highly sensitive person, trauma survivor, all of the things, (laughs) a lot of things. Um, But yeah, each their own. But thank you so much for sharing your journey there. And I do want to, of course, make sure that we get to the, uh, meat and potatoes or the meat alternative um what what can one have like a mushroom and potatoes I guess <laughs> I was gonna say broccoli but 
Yes. Um, yeah. One of, one of our um, Inky buddies said um, instead of bringing home the bacon for, for the vegetarians and vegans, like bring home the broccoli, <laughs> which I, I love it. <laughs> All righty. So you discovered this, you've been booked out before, and then you originally found that when you offer the group, people seem to have somewhat downgraded as a cheap um, because they saw it as a cheaper option to work with you. But now it's become the only thing that, well, one of the only things that you, um, you know, do to work with folks. So how, like, how much have you learned from er- every iteration, every evolution of your program, Why um, Wait, which is what it's called, right? Um, how has that been for you to kind of really know what those boundaries are and how that has shifted and the things you've kept from your one-on-one to your group? Very That's long such question, a great question. <laughs> and I just I just want to start for anybody listening who is kind of unsure because it is a big step. I I realize I've learned the best by doing. <laughs> and when I have the plan and the page and everything that looks so pretty, but then you're actually in the arena. Reminds me of that quote. Um Brene Brown quotes it a lot from um Theodore Roosevelt about, you know, the man in the arena or the woman in the arena. In this case, it's kind of like when you're actually having a go, you learn like real life experience so much more than thinking, planning, wishing, dreaming. So basically in the very beginning, it was a membership, to be honest. I, um, I didn't have a program and I liked the idea of monthly income like as a lot of us do I suppose in in business it's like oh I'm going to have this you know continued income for me and for the clients I liked I've always liked the idea of an open enrollment not like a start together finish together because I come from a weight loss background like that just reminds me of boot camp and I never want people to think we're going to start go hard for however many weeks and then end like so it was a membership um people could pay month to month and as a highly sensitive person, what I found the downside of that was is when you join a group that's already established, you can kind of feel like that even if it's not the intention, even if you're very, very welcoming, there's them and then me. <laughs> so people would kind of come in and would feel like there's there's the, the established group or, you know, the cool kids and then there's me and they wouldn't necessarily feel as comfortable so one of the reasons I transitioned into a program is because, yeah, we all start together, but it's a fresh energy. It's a new container. There's nothing there pre-recorded. There's nothing mm. other people. Because, like, listening to other people's coaching, I know um, a lot of coaches see that as a value add. Um, but for me, I find it really unsafe because I don't know what's going to be shared and I don't know who's going to have the potential to listen to that. Yeah. So another evolution of my program has been each round is taught live and it's available for the people who are in that cohort or container or however you want to say. And then when that finishes, all those recordings, and a lot of people are like, that's a lot of work for you, for, for me, Suzanne, because I teach live every round. Um, yes, and, <laughs> yes, and it. I, I, I feel the program becomes so much richer as a result. Um, so I, I do a, a live round rather than an ongoing membership. Everything is in that round is is kept in that round, and then we start again afresh. 
And there's just something about the energy of that. Like, and and for me, I love how um, I've heard you say, make a safer spaces. Like none of us can ever guarantee a safe space because we don't, we're not living in someone else's body. We don't know what's safe for them. That's a projection. But Mm. to me, that feels like a safer space to be able to go, that's this cohort. And then, you know, and the other thing with it, when you asked about the transition, when something is ongoing, like a membership there's no celebration. There's no graduation. There's no excitement. It's kind of like, oh, here I am. And then I've had enough. So I'm going to kind of like slink away. When we have a a live round at the end, we can celebrate, we can integrate, we can harvest the, the seeds that we've planted in that season, as opposed to it just being going on and on and on. So each round, there is a little bit of like sadness when we come to the end. So it's, I think, the true bittersweet feeling, excitement for what we have sowed, but sadness, it's like, oh, you know, so there's that marriage of both. Mm. Oh, yeah. Thank you for that. really speaking to that that difference of energy, that each their own. Some people work extremely well in a membership and some people definitely are more suited to the cohort based um sort of way of running a group as well because um the way that I think of it when it's a membership at least for me personally when there's no specific start or end is literally like there's a gushing river and you just need to take a moment to kind of like okay now <laughs> now <laughs> tell me now <laughs> and just kind of see like where it's gonna take you or it's um like skipping ropes or uh, jump ropes is, is also what it's called as well um if there's like a jump rope going on um like two of them are whole uh, two people holding it and you're like waiting for that moment to kind of go in it's like oh yes. it's always swinging around ah. um but yes yeah, so i'm glad that you found that uh, for you that co- cohort based um coaching is better for you in the sense that it takes your people through a life experience there's celebratory moments and there is very intentional milestones that you guide them guide them to um yeah to really get to that point where they can harvest those seeds that they've sowed so that's brilliant 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 thank you so much for sharing so you mentioned and i love that you said this when you talked about boundaries you don't just set them but you also uphold them now to whichever degree you feel comfortable with how has that been upholding it <laughs> oh oh it's funny part of me wants to go to the you know when you listen to someone and they're like it's just great you just do this and you know it's kind of like but part of you is like that's a lie (laughs) (laughs) so it's kind of like it's it's very uncomfortable at times in the moment of having to uphold the boundary but then afterward the relief you feel so there's a quote by Brene Brown she says choose discomfort over resentment so in the moment that you have the conversation where you're like, actually, uh, if you remember back to the beginning, like this is what we agreed upon or however you have to circle it back and part of you is dying inside. <laughs> um, but then afterward, that free feeling of having spoken your truth, of having you know held to the thing that you agreed upon, as opposed to when you just say yes in the moment or you just let it slide and you think, oh, just this once, like just this once, I won't say anything. And then there's that resentment later on, that that seed of resentment that then continue to build because every time that you don't uphold the boundary um, and then later on, you know, we can become like a pressure cooker and then explode, Mm. that's actually so much more damaging than to be clear in the first or second iteration. And even if you are going to let it slide, for example, like the perfect example that comes to mind for a lot of businesses, I'm sure we can uh, 
um, relate to is our cancellation policy for coaching. Um, and I still do some one-to-one work, not a lot, but I'm really clear now I have a 24-hour cancellation policy no matter what because I don't want to be the arbiter of which is an allowable reason and which isn't. So if if people can't come and it's less than 24 hours, I still turn up. I tend to record them something. Um, I, I do energy healing. I do cards. I do all sorts of stuff now. I'm a bit of a jack of all trades. But I'll still send, like, they have that hour, whether they're physically present or not. And to me, it feels so much more expansive and freeing because then I don't have to be always like, oh, you know, the kid was sick or somebody passed away or, you know, all this sort of thing. Or they've got a headache. Like, which one do I say no to? Like, which thing? And then where do I draw the line? So I, like, I used to have a one-time thing. Like, you know, I'd say to them, okay, I have this 24-hour cancellation policy. I allow one time in our package together and this is your one time. So from here on, I don't even have that now. It's a really hard and fast rule. When you coach with me, it's 24 hours notice um, or, you know, the session is forfeited. And if you still want something, I'll record something for you. And some people actually like that more, which is funny. (laughs) They're like, I just love it when you sing to me. I can't sing worth anything. But, um, <laughs> you know, and then the, but then I'm still fulfilling. They're still getting that time for me. Like I don't necessarily record for them for an hour, but they're still having, there's still an energy exchange there. But I think having that boundary and you deciding, do you give them one allowance or do you give them two allowances? And like another one too is how long do they have the sessions for? So like I used to do a six-month coaching package of 26 sessions. So no. 13 sessions, one every second week, Mm -hmm. and then people would stop booking in or have the headache or get tired or, like, you know, and I'm not downplaying, like, people do have things going on, but sometimes we have our own mental drama coming up so we're kind of avoiding the work. So the six-month package would become nine or 12 or, I'm going to admit it, 18 months, (sighs) but I'm still holding space then. I'm still responding to emails. I'm still doing Voxer, all this sort of thing. So it actually limits us as a provider to be able to bring on new clients because we're still having the energy of the current clients and then we're not being in best service to them or ourselves. So I'm really clear now that this is a six-month coaching package. Here is the times. If you don't book the sessions in that, they are forfeit. And the first few times that I had to uphold that, uh, and, and even still, it doesn't actually happen. It's funny. When you start to uphold your own boundaries, you get less and less boundary checkers, I call them, because you're firm on it. So, yeah. Oh, that's such an important message here. And actually, someone literally asked me a question in my cup of catch-ups today about boundaries, uh, li- literally something around this. And I said something very similar. I said, you need to be the one to set and uphold the boundary, because if you breach it yourself, you're training your clients that like it's actually okay to do that as well. So you basically need to walk the walk. <laughs> uh, yes. Talk, walk, is it walk the talk or walk the walk? It's walk the walk, walk right? Walk the talk? I'm not sure. But the thing, the thing I want to say with that too is sometimes in the beginning when we're not fully booked, we can be like, oh, I'll give them an extra 15 minutes or I'll give them an extra session. Like we want to be giving and there's nothing wrong with that. However, sometimes where we're being generous, we're actually setting ourselves up for later on down the line when we aren't because they would be setting an unconscious expectation. Mm-hmm. Like I used to have clients be like, Suzanne used to always go 15 minutes over and she doesn't care about me anymore. It's like, no, Suzanne's fully booked now. So always I give the advice to people if, if they, if it resonates to act as if you're already fully booked, like what would fully booked you do? 
because when we're trying to be you know generous and giving sometimes we set up you know unconscious expectations that later on then we have to have a boundary discussion about that oh that that right there mm. the oh geez <laughs> I'm just thinking back to all of my past mistakes <laughs> when I didn't do this because when I when you were speaking earlier I thought to myself wow how many things have we let slide out of fear of causing any sort of conflict that they'd leave straight mm. afterwards you know it's not coming from the best of places if we make these quote unquote generous acts and they're actually out of fear that otherwise that they wouldn't be able to take it you know but i was thinking about this earlier because um it's just a message that my my friend um sent to me about how uh she was with her her partner then they broke up and then the family didn't like the partner and then they got back together with the partner but kept it a secret for a while and then (laughs) and then um now they're celebrating nearly six years together and I thought to myself I believe personally that the strongest relationships are ones that have had their fair share of turbulence and not the ones that have always had it smooth sailing. I think that turbulence, adversity really trains you to adapt and see whether it's worth it to stick it out. And if we apply that to our relationships with our clients, don't we want clients that will stick with us when it's not exactly the best of times, but they want to work on it with you? Because wouldn't that make it stronger and not so fragile? I love that you say that. So in the current round of Why Wait, as we're recording this that I am running, I had the biggest tech snafu I have ever had. Mm-hmm. And one of my things is always being on time and always delivering what I'll say. And anyway, to cut a very long story short, not only was I 15 minutes late to my own call, which had me dying inside because I'm always punctual. <laughs> you know me, <laughs> I'm on time. Yes, you are. <laughs> and um, then apparently halfway through, so my computer totally kaput. And I ended up having to run it on my iPad because I'm resourceful. Mm-hmm. But halfway through, my sound dropped out and I didn't know. And they didn't want to tell me because it, was, it, got, it got this whole awkward thing. And anyway, when I got off, I was like, everyone's going to ask me for a refund. Like they're all going to be like, Suzanne, you suck. <laughs> you know, because our, our brain goes there. Our brain catastrophizes. Yeah. And it was funny. I was like, I will re-record this. It's totally fine. I've got a brand new computer. This is the first thing I've done on my new computer. It's it's very uh, pretty. It's got a red keyboard. Anyway, I digress. Um, it's kind of like the I think people, our clients, seeing us in our in our humanity. And the number of messages I got was like, "Oh, tech stuff happens," or memes, or gifts, or whatever. And I was like, oh, "These are my people." Like, if I'm so afraid that if I'm late for once, or if there's a tech hitch, or if I can't come, that I'm suddenly going to be cut down at the knees. That's not an ideal client. That's people pleasing energy, and I don't want to work with people. That's I'm not in best service to my clients if I am pleasing them, um, as opposed to coaching them. So whenever I get myself in a sticky situation where I'm like, oh, do I want to say that? Like, do I want to risk the relationship? I remind myself that's what they pay me for. Like, it's always from love and it's always from service. But saying the difficult thing is why people hire a coach. If they want to be cheerled, they can get that from their friends and that's free. Mm. Oh, okay. So many things. <laughs> so many <laughs> things to unpack. Well, bless your peeps for sending you gifts and memes <laughs> to be like, it's okay, tech stuff happens. Because um, 
uh, you and I both know uh, we have a resident tech person in in our com- um, communication circle and I'm always so grateful to them <laughs> for, for telling me all these like oh did you know you could turn on the transcript like this like I did not know how to do how to turn on live captions on zoom apparently it's a setting already in zoom if you have like the the paid account like the the low yes. I have the lowest tier paid account I was like oh, I did not know this it's in the accessibility options if anyone um listening is like oh you can do this directly in Zoom. You don't need Otter. Not necessarily. Shout out to Birdie. We love you. <laughs> um, but yes, okay. So you got your people. Awesome, awesome. And I love how committed you are to do the things that you said you would, right? But allowing your people to witness you in your humanity as well and acknowledging your mistake, I think, was the important part there as well. Because if we try to shy away, be like, oh, yeah, like, that didn't happen, then it's almost like, it kind of rattles the respect a little bit when someone oh 100% to- I could go yeah. on a whole rant about this one of my pet peeves in business is when you see someone going let's have an integration week that is unplanned like as in you can sense they have some stuff going on and they're right. going to hide it by let's just give you an extra week to steep or whatever I would much prefer like you don't have to give me the ins and outs of your life I that's your private business but if you don't have your stuff together, don't try and hide it by putting it back onto your clients. It's one of mm. my real irritations. So, like, I would rather people be upfront and say, like, I have some stuff going on or whatever. Let's let's extend this. And I've had, like, I've run this program. This is my fourth year. There have been things, many, many things that have happened and I've just found it best to, like, not overshare and not make my audience responsible for my things, not at all, but to be like, this isn't going, this is suboptimal. So this is what I'm going to do rather than like, I think you guys need some more time to integrate. No. <laughs> mm, yeah. Being more, I, I've actually, I'm, I'm not surprised, but at the same time I am every time when I'm really honest about how things are going, like there have been a couple of times in SVI when some personal stuff was uh, the, outside of health, conditions um there was I remember there was a very specific time in 2021 where I just I literally could not coach that day I I needed to be held I couldn't hold anyone because I was so distraught over the things that were happening um in relation to Asian hate crimes and so Mm -hmm. I just felt so distraught I felt like my you know people in my community were being attacked and I take it very personally um, especially when it's elders it, it just mm. hits so differently or children even and it just broke my heart to pieces and I was literally crying in bed all day and I was like okay I am not in a position to hold anyone and I felt terrible Zudan. I felt terrible at the thought of letting my clients down and then I had to run it for my team I ran it through two of my mentors I'm like do you think it's okay to cancel and all of them were like they'll understand they will you're about sustainable visibility and visibility yes. isn't just about lead generation. It's about showing up for the people who are already in your circle as well. So lead the way here, tell them you're not okay. You can't be visible for them in the way that they, you normally are to them as their mentor. Just tell them what's going on and just make up for it later. I'm like, okay. <laughs> and lo and behold, my favorite humans. <laughs> And I think that's a a really great example of, you know, personal boundaries as in I'm not okay to lead the space in the way that is the standard that I expect of myself. 
mm. and honoring your own boundary. I had a recent example. I ran a, a masterclass and on day two, about three quarters of the way through the call, I got a splitting migraine. Like it, I got, <laughs> went off the call and was sick. And I had a client directly after that call who'd just been on the masterclass. And I was like, I've got options here. Like I could run it, but it was, it wouldn't have been great. Like I know in myself that I could do better. So I got on the call because it was literally like I had 10 minutes and I just said, look, I'm really not feeling well. Uh, we're going to need to reschedule. And I didn't message her because the time. And she's like, that's cool. So I rescheduled and then I went and had a nap. Part of me was like, she's going to be like, I want my money back. You suck. I always go to that. Like <laughs> always the refund in my mind. But when I woke up, I had the most beautiful email saying, thank you for modeling self-care for me. Like you weren't in a space to run this and you called it and you, um, we rescheduled. And I just, that's what the kind of thing I want to do in my life. And I think that's the thing when we're worried about upholding a boundary or demonstrating a boundary, we're looking at the negative side of it. But how permissive is it for others to be like, actually, I'm not okay today. And same with your story. Like I have this going on. It's in actually best service for us not to do this now. I think that the ripple effect of that is cannot be you know said enough yes I that is really really important and like like you said the mind goes straight to oh they're, they're gonna hate me now or <laughs> the refunds are gonna come through ah and all of those things and we don't realize how powerful it is just to really hold our ground um from a place of true self-care and by extension caring for them as well because imagine if you did coach them while whilst you had that um split, splitting headache and migraine that would have been a probably like a 60 percent um it you know of your power if if yes. not you know like no you just have a hundred percent you know you know my true presence when I can access my thoughts and my insights for you that I have you know um you know for our session today all of that stuff and we need so we need to remember that all of us who are all of you who are listening right now remember that your clients deserve the best of you and they receive that when you give the best to yourself of like care and consideration that when you give the best to yourself like I've had another recent example and I think that's the other thing with boundaries for anyone listening they're always evolving like just as soon mm. as you think I got this then you get another <laughs> like level so a few people have asked me um because I've self-published a book and they're publishing a book do I mind editing it or do I mind having a proofread and you know I run it through my filters and I was like yeah sure that's that's okay um I know that I work best with a deadline. Like, when do you need my feedback by so I can I can slot it in? And I ended up saying yes to three things. And then I had the tech drama and I had all sorts of unexpected things come up. But when I actually sat down to do the activity, what I realized was it was going to take longer than I thought. Mm. So I was like, in future, how would I do this differently? I was like, oh, I can give you an hour. Like, I, I can spend an hour on this. Um, and also, too, getting really clear, and I did do this, what kind of feedback do you want? Like, do you want the cheerleading, lightly edit, it's great kind of thing, or do you want what I really think? <laughs> <laughs> and not in a harsh way. I might, I'm never my goal is to tear anyone down or judging or anything like that. But, like, sometimes if, you're, if you've got something that you're really proud of, like a manuscript and you're really kind of what you're wanting is, yeah, it's good enough, or other times you're like, no, what I'm actually wanting is for you to, you know, go full Suze, let's say, and go, what, you know, what do you really think? And asking, not just assuming, when somebody asks you for something, 
you know, what they're actually needing. Like at the moment, I'm redoing my entire website and I gave that copy to a couple of people and I'm like, I want what you really think. I don't want, oh, that's lovely because that is an in-best service. And then taking the responses through your own filters of is this aligned or not. So you're not giving your power away and people pleasing, but you're actually taking that feedback on board. So I had a discussion with you about this very thing. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, 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 for sure. (sighs) So there are plenty of things I can ask you. And I love how both of us have taken it in turns in this conversation, just to go back and forth with our own soapbox moments, as well as our own stories of learning. But I love what you said about the fact that, yes, boundaries do evolve. And sometimes we just have to learn firsthand through that. Oh, okay. I screwed up there. <laughs> to adjust that <laughs> Next time. But if I were to ask, if you were to go back in time and tell the Suze uh, that just started, her first coaching program. Is there anything that you would do differently? Oh, it's kind of, it's a yes and no question because sometimes it's like by making the mistake, that's how you learn. And it's not really a mistake if you take the lesson from it. Like I think that's, you know, that's a whole definition of failing forward. When we (laughs) take the lesson, then it becomes a win. Whereas, you know, but what I would do differently is, I would be more clear in myself about the different offerings. So it's kind of like what, and I think this is going to fly in the face of other business coaches' advice, not that I'm a business coach, but people will often be like, what's for the client? Like, you know, what what's in it for them? But I think, you know, we need to lead with us first. How is this in service of us? Because otherwise, if we are running a program or something to be totally giving um, and it's not in service of us, then it's a detriment thing. So like when mm. I went to a group, what was in it for me, not so it's the me show or being selfish, but like that's the anchor point to stick to when things get rocky or when boundary checking things happen or when you're uns- uncertainty because we all have, this is the best idea. At, like what show is it? Moana. You know, <gasps> she's like, she's like, I can do this. I'm a wayfinder, whatever. Oh, I suck. Why did you pick me, you know, universe or ocean? You know, so we all have that. But when we're really clear on, you know, what's in it for, for us, what's our bigger mission with this, then those peaks and troughs don't rattle us so much. So mm. I would have been clearer in, you know, what why was I doing this for me? And I also would have been, I have the knowledge now that, when you do set those boundaries or uphold them, I should say, there will be times when you do lose people and that's always going to hurt. But the people who love you and your best fit clients, they love you for that. Like, for example, I'm quite a sweary fairy. And for years I was always (laughs) the rule follower and I was always polite and I was always, um, somebody said to me the other day, oh, I I wrote a post about it just yesterday, but oh, what did they say? I can't remember. Um, But when I just like me came out, the people who loved me loved me even more and the other people kind of dropped away, but they weren't really in my inner circle anyway. And, you know, they can, they're entitled to think and feel whatever they want, but um, it doesn't mean I need to take that on board to shape what it is that I'm doing. Oh, oh, that, mm. that needs to be a quotable for this episode. <laughs> <laughs> I completely agree with all of that. And the only thing I can add on, Um, If I were to look back on all of the things I've done and what I would do differently, it's to remember that when it comes to any group offer, I 
am also a part of the community. Yes. I'm not apart from it. Like, yes, I'm the one who guides it. I hold it. I facilitate it. But I matter as well as a member of the group. <laughs> oh, 100%. I was just, it was funny. I was journaling recently and, and I doodle, like draw. And it was kind of like before me. And you just brought this up. So me in the beginning, it was like I was holding an umbrella and I was holding it out. So the umbrella was over nice. everybody else. But not. so I'm getting wet. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. What's in it for you? Because when you hold an umbrella out, not only are you getting wet, but your arm's getting sore because mm. you're covering everybody else. You're in your group, not so that you overshare or make you, you know, you go to your coaches for your things, 100%. But you're a part of your community. You're not like separate from so as you said and that reminds me of all the tech things because in in communities I've been in where a person's had a tech stuff I would have been the person sending the gif and the memes and going (laughs) you know we'll wait for you you're worth it and that reassurance is is powerful Mm. and thank you so much for that visual I just thought this giant comedic looking umbrella (laughs) Mm -hmm. and all of the little like flood of people um underneath it and there's you like with this giant hand but like a tiny yes. body that's how I envision it for some reason like here you go but that's exactly how my body. diagram looked but I'm not the best drawer but it was kind of like it's it's that it's like you are you include yourself in yeah. your community give give the compassion that you pray for like give, include yourself in that as opposed to you know because that I think is the is the martyr kind of energy like everybody else others first myself last and it's like, I am part of this. I'm not separate from. Mm, wonderful. I think that is w- one of the best messages that we can round off this conversation as we start to close off today. <laughs> so we've talked a lot about boundaries, not so much a how-to, but kind of like how we've developed them over time. And I love this so much. And so for anyone who's listening right now, then who's like, okay, I'm starting the transition, or maybe they've done a couple of group. Um, it doesn't have to be coaching, but group offers let's just say group office, right? Um, Like what advice would you give them to really like almost do an audit of their current boundaries um, and how to kind of get them, like to prime their boundaries, getting ready to adapt if needed? Does that make sense? Yeah, that's a great question. So I love how you said audit because sometimes when things haven't gone how we hoped and face any business, that's a lot of the time. Mm-hmm. We can be like crying in the corner and Netflix and chips, like, you know, we've all <laughs> been there. So like the way I would audit it is to sit down and go like, what did I do well? Your brain's not going to want to go there. It's going to want to pick about all the things that you didn't do well. But, you know, what did I do well? Like, I did it. Go me. Celebrate. Like, I put myself in the arena. I I risked you know, falling on my face. So, you know, that's the thing I've done well. Um, Your best gets to get better. So, you know, I might not have had the best experience so far, but what I've learned from this, like what am I going to do differently next time is also such a powerful question. Like my program runs live now and every time I do this audit at the end, what did I do well? (laughs) What was suboptimal? So this time it will be the tech. (laughs) (laughs) You know, what will I do differently next time? And, you know, things that you can put in place. So like having, for me, um, I do have a few pre-recorded things. So if, if tech goes sideways, I can put those in place. So they have something to work through while I'm sorting out my stuff behind the scenes. Because we'd like to think, oh, I'll never have a tech issue again. Yeah, like that's going to happen. So for anyone who's run a group or, or, or is, you know, transitioning into basically any time in business, what did I do well? What was suboptimal? What would I do differently? 
because that way we can get out of stewing in beating ourselves up for all the things we did wrong and go, actually, here's the lesson that I can take forward. I just really want to note on the language that you use, because as soon as you 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 started, um, it's like, what did you do? Like when you're about to say the W word, I was like, wrong. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, like my, my negativity bias was went straight to the word wrong. But when you said, well, I was my brain was like, oh, <laughs> like a big question mark on it. Like, well, and then, you, yes. and then, and then but you this is why it's so powerful. The, when you're yeah. a kid, did you play the game warmer and colder or hotter and colder? Like somebody hid something. And you had to go and find yeah, it and yeah, as you yeah. walk towards it. So if we go to what we did wrong, which is our natural inclination, I believe it's like playing a game of colder with the universe. It's like mm-hmm. what I did wrong. Well, I didn't do this. I didn't do this. Colder, 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 freezing. And then we're off in the corner going, I don't want to do this again. And the universe is like, I ain't got you. But if you're like, this is what I did well, like, oh, warmer, warmer, warmer. Hotter, and then hotter. we feel inspired to want to keep going as opposed to like, this is why I don't mm. do things. <laughs> I immediately thought of my little sister because when she had that moment, she goes, this is why I can't have nice things. <laughs> like she said that quite <laughs> Like if the cat knocks it over or something, she's like, this is why I can't have nice things. But um, I love that. Yes, that game. Like, like I, I didn't think of it as a game. It's just more like, um, yeah, when you're watching someone trying to find something and then you're just guiding them with a hot, hot or like that. Hot oh, we used to play it as a game. Like we'd hide things and then, you know, the person have to go searching for it. And that's the advice you'd give them. Like you're warmer, you're warmer, freezing. Like my, at the moment I'm playing that with my son. He likes the, like where's Wally type things. Mm-hmm. And I have an uncanny ability to find those things straight away. Like, I don't know. I just, and so <laughs> I won't tell yet. him, I won't tell him, but when he's running his finger along the page, I'll be like warmer, warmer, colder, colder. So yeah. Oh, <laughs> oh I love, I love how you done that. But yes, again, the language you say um not you don't say wrong at all in that you say well suboptimal and what what would you do differently and because in my mind I you know how people say strengths and weaknesses I long like let go of the word weakness I say strengths and areas of improvement (laughs) well the thing is areas of improvement that feels expansive whereas weaknesses Mm. feels oh yeah I suck at that oh that was very deterministic right it's like oh something I say a lot so it's funny when I had the tech issues and the people who were there or like the, the, the thread, what came up was hashtag suboptimal. I was like, yeah, people know me. <laughs> so, you know, when things go wrong in my world, it's that's suboptimal. <laughs> I, I love that. Thank you for sharing that today. And um, yes, just a final note on um, the language. Oh, there's something that just escaped my head. Let me just quickly look for the transcript. Okay. It said areas of improvement, expansive. Nope. Just totally brain farted. Damn. Okay. <laughs> It happens. happens. Anyhow, so I love that round off. So for those who have not, again, already been in your circle, where can we go to find you on the interwebs? Thank you. So my website is suzannekolberg.com and I'm mostly active on Facebook, though I'm a I'm getting into Instagram. May Kay's been kind of gently encouraging me for like a year, so I'm, I'm getting there. <laughs> but I'm mostly Facebook or my website. And, um, yeah, I have my group program, Why Wait, which is about, you know, becoming boundary AF. And, um, yeah, so if you've got any questions or anything, please feel free to send me a message. Yes, absolutely. And don't worry, I'll pop all of the link in the show notes. So if like, how do, like, how do I spell the name? Like, don't worry, I've got you, I've got you, I've got you. It's all in the show notes. Um, and yes, definitely, if you're going to check out Suzanne's Instagram, check out her reels, because I think she's just a natural on video. Anyhow, I digress. <laughs> Thank you. You're welcome. So I have two final questions for you before we wrap up. Are you ready? Mm-hmm. 
All right, number one is what makes you a quiet rebel? Hmm. I oh, it's funny. I, I listen to your podcast. I hear the question. I'm like, one day I'll be on the podcast, and she'll ask me that. And then it's like <laughs> I'm like a deer in headlights. Like I don't know. Um, I think what comes to mind is it, the persistence. So, like often, you know, when things don't go well, um, I think a lot of us will just will follow the crowd or will um, you know, go on to the next thing. And what makes me a rebel is like, no, no, this is going to work. <laughs> My success is inevitable. Um, just because it didn't work today doesn't mean that, you know, I'm not on the right track. So it's kind of like I don't let, you know, um, other people saying, oh, you've got to do it this way or it has to be done like this. It's like, no, this just it hasn't been done like this yet doesn't mean it can't be done. <laughs> I love that so much. It's like, oh, I don't have to prove myself. You just watch yourself <laughs> and see. It's just watch it happen. <laughs> Don't believe me, just watch. (laughs) (laughs) We had a bit of singing here. Awesome. Okay. (laughs) Thank you for sharing what makes you a quiet rebel. And my final question to you, one of my faves, is what is one weird fact or a fun story about you that no one else knows on the internet? (laughs) I love that question too because I'm pretty, for a shy person, I'm pretty open on the internet. But there is actually something I was only thinking about it recently. When I was a kid uh, or a teenager, like close enough as a kid because I'm showing my age now. (laughs) Um, When I was a teenager, I was a competitive pistol shooter, like target shooting. I actually made the state team um, for Tasmania, the state I grew up in, the tiny little one that gets left off the map at the bottom of Australia. (laughs) So nobody knows about that on the internet. But where it gets deeper is I never actually particularly liked pistol shooting my dad loved it um so I did it for him and being the people pleaser that I was and I remember um I was good like I made the state team but I wasn't the best and I went to a competition once and I was really excited because I shot a pb I was like oh my goodness a personal best like I was over the moon and my dad wasn't there at that match for whatever reason and I remember coming home and I was so excited I was like I shot a pb and he said to me did you win and anyway, oh. I didn't. And I quit. I didn't, I, I haven't shot since. I, in that moment, I was like, no, I'm done doing stuff for other people. So yeah, I quit. And like, you could think, oh, it's a sad story or whatever. But I think it was the beginning of me stopping doing things for everybody else and realizing I didn't actually enjoy this. And in the moment that I did enjoy it, it was just like, it was never enough. So I think so many of us, if we do things for other people or for the vanity stat or the metric of the external validation, it was like, and that's why I've always loved little athletics as in the concept. I'm not an athlete by any means, but like little athletics, you go each week and you do your long jump or your high jump or whatever. And then have you beat your personal best? It's not about a competition. And I think there's something to be said for all of us in that, that we can get in the compare and despair. Like I wasn't the best or I wasn't enough, or we can be like, I've done this for me. So Mm. yeah, I've never actually told anyone I did that before, but yes. Well, thank you for sharing that. And thank you for sharing what PB stands for because my brain immediately goes to peanut butter. I was like, you shot a jar of peanut butter? Okay. <laughs> but when you said personal, I was like, oh, got it. Personal best. But, oh, my peanut God. butter. I'm going to think that whenever I hear PB now. <laughs> yeah, PB and J, you know, like peanut butter and jam. Actually, that's a very American thing. Like Brits don't really, I don't think we really have that. But, but yeah, we say jam, they say jelly. But anyway, I digress. Um, 
But yeah, thank you for sharing that story with us. And yes, it's, I think as soon as you said that your dad um, said, did you win? That immediately shot through my heart because I literally have a very similar memory, but not in sports. It was when I got my first um, GCSEs, which is one of our um, uh, academic qualifications when we're uh, 15, like 16. So I took my GCSEs early, a couple of them, and I got a B in stats like in one of the you know branches of maths and I was so proud of myself because stats is very hard for me oh yes <laughs> it's extremely hard and then my dad he read my result and looked at me and said can you retake it and get an A not well done for getting a B it was like can you retake it and get an A and I was like and I was like no I will not I will not put myself through that hell again <laughs> There's nothing no. <laughs> more disconcerting than when you're really excited about something mm-hmm. and the response is it's not enough or, you know, could you do better? And I think that's a real lesson in self-concept and self-validation of, like, for me, this was enough. I was like, yeah, I'm not doing that again. Um, or realising what are we actually doing the thing for? Like if I'm doing this to someone else's approval and it's never going to be enough, huh, I'm out. <laughs> yeah, why not? And I think that's actually a really important message to like round off this whole conversation is about you don't have to be the best, but just your best. Like have your own yes. PB, whether that's a jar of peanut butter or your actual personal best. <laughs> but yeah, your best gets to get better. It's a thing that I live by because sometimes we can just be like, I don't know how to do this yet. Well, of course you don't. You haven't done it. You haven't run a group. You haven't launched it. You haven't dealt with all the stuff that's going to happen. But, you know, it's there's lots of suboptimals, but there's also lots of learning. So, yeah. Love this. Oh, this conversation has been so amazing. So, Suzanne, thank you so much for coming on to speak with us, Quiet Rebels. I'm sure that there are plenty of, of those who are listening. Like, oh, thank goodness. I don't have to get this perfect. Just kind of like, just kind of tinkering along as we go and hearing hopefully our stories like from the trenches will hopefully inspire and inform those of you who are listening to really develop your own as and when. But Suzanne, thank you so much. Thank you, May Kay. Thank you, everyone. Thank you so, so much for listening to this episode of the Quiet Rebels podcast today. For any links that's been mentioned in the episode, you can absolutely find them in the show notes below. And two final things before we wrap up for today. Number one, if you do like the vibe and you're pretty new here and you're thinking, hmm, I actually might want to stick around to see what else comes up here, then I totally invite you to hit the subscribe button. And number two, if you'd like to invite your friends and to help me spread the word to other Quiet Rebels out there who have yet to find our incredible community then it would really help if you would leave us a review so whichever app you're listening to this episode on all you'd need to do is scroll to the bottom and there will be an option to write a review any words will be incredibly appreciated so thank you so much in advance if you decide to do that that's everything for today so thank you again for joining us and i hope that you join us next time so until then bye for now